Welcome to the Lutheran Outdoor Ministry Podcast. This is the place to be to hear all the latest news and information about the world's finest outdoor ministry network. And now, as always, here's your host, the Executive Director of Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Mr. Don Johnson. Today, we have the really good honor and privilege to be able to talk for a whole half an hour, maybe even 45 minutes, with none other than Andrea Schofield. Andrea Schofield, who is so well known throughout LOM and all of Lutheran Outdoor Ministry, and Andrea Schofield, who has been so much a part of LOM, even before it was LOM, when it was ALOMP, and when it was all of those other things, Andrea has been integrally involved in the growth and the development of the Outdoor Ministry Network. So it's a, it's a privilege from many perspectives to have this opportunity to talk with Andrea about something that I know she uh, is very near and dear to her. But Andrea, on behalf of the whole Outdoor Ministry Network, I want to say thank you for the many ways you have provided leadership for the network not the least of which has been your involvement with the LTE year after year, the leadership training event. You're a part on the education committee of LOM and most certainly your time as president of LOM. So we are certainly all very grateful for leadership you have provided over all these years and that you continue to provide. Thank you, Andrea. And, you know, before we get going with the central focus of this podcast, which is sort of a follow-up on this past year's conference. And once again, there you were providing leadership by serving on the conference planning committee for the conference. We're going to be doing some follow-up with the conference in some ways that I think are going to be very interesting in hearing your firsthand report on how you have benefited from some of the stuff we talked about at the conference. But before we get into that, Andrea, let me ask you this question. Where You are obviously very, very passionate about outdoor ministry. You're very passionate about the ministry you have at Lutherwood. Where, where does that passion come from? Well, first of all, thank you, Don Johnson, for the, um, for the nice introduction. And I'm very um, thrilled to be here and be part of this podcast with you today. That's an interesting question that you ask, because part of that comes from where did I hear the call of God in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So I can go back to my high school years. You know, I'm one of those people that can pinpoint a time. Not, yeah. I don't remember the date or the year. Yeah. I mean, I remember the year, but I don't remember the date. But it was a Sunday morning, actually, in church. And I remember very clearly I had been getting involved with people that weren't probably the best influence for me. And I knew that. I wasn't always sure what to do. So I remember that Sunday morning feeling very, just the spirit of God just came over me. And I remember saying audibly in church, not out loud as much that everyone could hear, but very much of a whisper and in my heart that God, I want to, I want to serve you all the days of my life. And I remember saying that. So at that time when you're in high school, it's hard to change everything, but I 
I actually was took a real concerted effort to change all my friends and to do things that were much more focused on how God's active in the world and active in, in my life. So that's probably where my passion comes from that I wanted to serve. And then um, I remember in high school, I wanted to, and I don't really know where this came from, but um, I wanted to open a home for unwed mothers. There was something about that. I had a couple friends that were early in the eighth grade that had gotten pregnant. And I remember how hard that was for them. And then I went to Lutheran Bible Institute in Seattle with the idea I was either going to open this home or I was going to start a camp. I had never gone to camp as a kid, though. So, and it was out of that. And it just has grown over the years and has been, I believe we do really good work. And I do believe that the church and the world needs what we do. I apologize because that's not one of the questions I said I was going to ask you. That's all right. And, um, that just sort of uh, rose up, but I'm really glad I asked you that question because just to to know what's underneath a person's commitments and passions is is just uh, such a, a good thing to know. So I thank you very much for sh- sharing that. You obviously are a person who prioritizes your time and energy in ways that include all of your colleagues who are in leadership in outdoor ministry. And I know one of the big ways you do that is through what you commit and what you do for LOM. And uh, I've already said I'm grateful on behalf of all of your colleagues for that. And I know all of your colleagues are included in that. Let me just ask you, why is it that uh, your your involvement and uh, what you commit in terms of your time and energy and expertise, uh, what is it about LOM that draws you into com- such a big commitment on your part? Well, when I first started at Camp Lutherwood in Oregon, it was um, a summer-only organization. And so after my second summer, I went to the board and said, hire me for, I can't remember if it was six months or nine months, and I'll do whatever. I'll do this for you. Because I could see that there was so much potential in this organization, but we hadn't even begun to tap it. And they actually took a risk and did that. They hired me. And that was in the late uh, 1989. And then I became the first year-round camp director that this organization has had. Because I didn't really know what that meant, I was very committed to what ministry was. I dove in with two feet and two arms and my whole being. And I went to any training and anything that the church would offer us. And I remember one of the first things we did it was like 90, 91. It was really early on that I went to a day camp training at Mount Cross in California, put on by the ELCA and Mark um, Burkhart was part of that. And it was there that I realized this was an incredible network. And there were lots of people that have been doing what I'm just now embarking on that could help me. And so I, I worked that network. I called Um, I called directors and would say, how did you do this? And I went, I got my training in nonprofit management and in, in development. And I went to 
I just networked. I just called people. I wasn't afraid to call up somebody and say, hi, this is Andrea. I'm in Oregon and I really need some help. And so there was a few key directors that were, and you were one of them, that just um, embraced my learning. And I have felt since day one, totally committed to the outdoor ministry network because of what we can do for each other. And nobody has it all and nobody understands it all. We need each other and we've all tried and we've all failed and, and we're all still trying to do new things and we all want to do good work for the church. And I think it's important that we do it together and we see ourselves as colleagues in mission and ministry and, um, and we look to each other for that. So that's why I do it. That's music to my ears, and I don't think there can be a better description of what LOM is all about and should be all about, and uh, certainly resonates with my experience as a camp director with, um, in terms of how I feel so grateful for what we all have done together to help each other be as strong and vibrant ministry as we possibly can be. You mentioned the day camp training at uh, Mount Cross, and that's when a lot of us were just getting into doing the day camp. So I think of what a big thing that is now. But I uh, was uh, invited to a similar uh, thing in Miami, Florida. And I think it was right about the same time of year. And Mark Burkhart was uh, getting all those things organized and spearheading that. What a, what a great experience. One of the things that was instrumental for my understanding of, of how to lead an organization like this in the church was also, um, there were times like you and I, we traded places in some ways. Yeah. You came and did a family camp at my camp, and I did one at your camp. And I could see you in action, and I could see other programs in that way. And then the other part I would say about that, too, was how was the education committee, because I think it was what, 91, 90, 91, 92, somewhere in there where the education committee started it was a long time ago. And I was asked regionally to represent this regional area. And I thought, oh, I have nothing to give to that. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just still learning. But it absolutely was profound in my um, leadership development as well to wrestle and struggle with what do people need to know? How do we do this? And so to serve again on the education committee has been really, <laughs> it's been fun to go back and after all these years and do it all over again and see that these are the core competencies that we all need to continue to develop. We were, we were involved together on education committee things yeah. back then and yeah. just going and getting the first uh, ALOMP school going. Um, those, those were um, exciting times, but for me, uh, after being gone from outdoor ministry, from directly working in outdoor ministry for 10 years during the time I was working in the seminary world, uh, to come back to LOM and see the LTE, it hasn't stayed, uh, you know, stationary doing the same old, same old all the time, but it, it really continues to be a signature, uh, a signature event for LOM. I think one of the most important things we do because of how so many people feel that strong sense of community at the same time, learning about best practices and all that kind of thing. Well, Andrea, um, we could reminisce for the whole day, sure, <laughs> yeah. but we, we should really um, start focusing on what brought this all together, uh, th this particular podcast. That is that, uh, well, first of all, we've had such good feedback about 
the uh, conference this past year. So um, as one of the members of the conference planning team, I, I want to say thank you very much. We've had a lot of good feedback about the, um, the program, the keynote speakers. And one of those keynote speakers was Beth Schwartz. And Beth is a person that you have known. And my understanding is that you introduced her to the conference planning team and got her involved in the conference. And we've had so much good feedback about her uh, her session at the conference. And I mean, talking, I, I mean, it brought the, the very uh, kind of uh, cerebral and, uh, and almost abstract understanding of the Reformation that Hans Wiesma brought to us uh, into a very practical light of how do we keep reforming our organizations in a good way. You had had some personal experience with Beth that led you to believe she would be good for everybody in outdoor ministry to be exposed to what learnings she would have to offer. Maybe you can say a little bit then about um, what was your experience that led you to think that this she would be a, a really good keynoter for our, our whole network? Well, I knew it was a risk when I introduced it even to the planning team. But a few years prior to that, I am involved monthly with a group in the Eugene area of executive directors of all different nonprofits. We do a retreat, happen to do it at Lutherwood, which has been great because the EDs from the Eugene area now all know um, camp. In fact, we have HIV Alliance is using our camp today for their holiday party. And all of that comes out of the relationships that I've built with the other executive directors in this area. So about two or three years ago at one of our retreats, I said, hey, guys, I have this friend. Let's have her come down. And she did, did a similar thing, only not quite as long with this group. And then she has now worked with some of those other organizations here. But I watched how that transformed our conversations even as executive directors. And so it was from that experience with Beth that I thought, oh, man, I'd love to bring this to LOM. So that's why I, I made the risk. When we were talking about reforming and um, kind of reimagining the way we do things, I thought it was a good fit. I know Beth well. I've known her a long time, over 20 years. And we met in college, actually. When we both went back to school as adults, we ended up in the same program. And, that's, and we sat <laughs> by each other in this circle because our names are both S. C. <laughs> yeah. oh, so we laugh about that all the time. Alphabetically, we were right together. And yeah. then um, years later, when I went into my um, master's degree program, we ended up in the same cohort in the same program without even talking to each other. So we went through our whole master's program together as well. And she actually spent her, her master's thesis as much on this process improvement and um, a kind of lean quality Stuff. So I had gone through all that with her through those two years of schooling and much more formal conversations. Then one summer she worked at Lutherwood just for 30 days. I said, I want you to come in and give me an assessment of Lutherwood. So this was about maybe four years ago. And um, I said, come in and just, I want you to just be here. So she came in, worked in my front, uh, the front desk. Well, I thought we were going to kill each other. 
And um, I wasn't sure our friendship was going to survive because she wanted to change absolutely everything. Nothing was right for her here. She cleaned things out. She moved things. She just was going to make everything efficient, even down to our key box. Okay, you've got to have a checkout system for your keys. And I mean, it was, and finally I took her aside and I said, I'm really glad you're here, Beth, but you're killing me. And I need you to just do the work here. And we're going to pick one process, only one, one process. And so we finally landed on, um, it was 2014, we landed on the registration process for Camp Lutherwood because we knew that everybody on staff touched our registration process at some point and every person that came to camp touched our registration process. So we knew that if we could improve that process, it would have impact all across staff, campers, guests, volunteers. We knew it would have a a big impact. So that's why we chose the registration process. And I knew Beth well enough. She had spent some time at Lutherwood that I trusted her. I was a little nervous because I knew it was going to be a pretty big project. And I would say it was probably about a five-month project that we worked with, process that we worked with her. And she came down to camp three different times. And then we did our homework in between that. We started with the little sticky notes. We started with, what's the problem? And as we went around our circle, and everybody on our year-round staff was part of it. So there was five or six of us. I even had our bookkeeper come in on some of those days. And we just all sat down in the lodge with all these sticky notes. And the very first thing we stumbled over was deciding what the problem was. Because all six of us had a different perspective of what the problem was. When you talk about registration process, you mean when somebody signs up to come to summer camp, a camper, when a retreat group signs up, and you're talking about whether it's the online thing or do you only do online things or were you doing a whole hodgepodge of things? No, at that point we were just doing online and we do have hard copies if people need that. But our primary role was to get, our our per, our hope was to get everybody through on the website, you know, to do it through on the website. So we decided that our starting point for registration was at any point. It could have been if they talked to somebody, if they called on the phone, if we went to a church. So we had to identify where were we going to start. So we identified our starting point to be when they made their first inquiry. So, I mean, all that took us hours of conversation even to decide what our real problem was, what we wanted to improve on. One of the things, the reason we also did it is because in the summertime when people would come to camp, it would take two hours or more, maybe even up to three hours, depending on how big the camp was for them to get checked in and leave. So parents would come and they'd spend all these hours here and then they'd leave. And Beth and Beth had seen that because she had worked with us and she said, do you think we could get it to 15 minutes? And I went, oh my, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah. And after our first summer of trying our new process, I had a camper family come into the kit office, looked at his watch and said, I've been here 16 minutes and I'm leaving. This is fantastic. So we actually did it and we improve on it every, every year. But it took, it took intentional work for us every month we, I mean, we, in that five month process, we spent a lot of hours on it, not necessarily with Beth, but as a staff person. 
And we made the whole flow chart. We did all the steps in the process that she walked us through, but she walked us through pretty quickly at the, um, at the conference. And I would say that her work at the conference was like the tip of an iceberg. We only got the tiny little bit to stimulate your thinking. And I had someone at the conference say to me, oh, well, we've got all, all of our processes are down, taken care of. There, we, we know them all. We got them all. And I looked at him and I said, really? So if you get hit by a bus and you're no longer the director and all your staff leave and I come in as your as the next interim director or executive director of your organization, I have a notebook that all I have to do is follow the book and I have, I'll know how to run your organization. He will know they're more up here. And I said, up here in your head is not going to be helpful. So I just talked to him about a week or two ago and they have picked one small process to start as well. So I think one of the things that I learned is that every single thing at camp is a process, everything. Mm. And Beth has helped me see that. Mm. And one of the main things that she had said to us is often organizations, they will blame it on a person and they'll let a person go or there'll be, there'll be conflict within a system based on a person that really isn't a person's fault. It is because the process isn't in place. And so we looked at so many things to say, where are we person dependent and we need to be process dependent. And in all her work, and she's done so much work around this over the last 20, 30 years, she is such a guru in it that she said she's only let go maybe one or two people in this whole, in her manufacturing um, plant that she's done because they got the process was down. She said, sometimes it can be a personality. Cause I said to her, what do you do when, you know, if you come to this place where you think you've got the process, but the people aren't following it. And he, she said, at some point in time, there will be those people that just aren't going to fit into that process. But she says, that's very rare. Most often a person will be able to um, be able to do the processes in a way that empowers them to keep improving them and to keep improving the organization. But we get so dependent on the people to do it that we sometimes mistake uh, the person driven versus the process driven. And that's been a huge learning on my part. And at Lutherwood, I've said many times to some of our staff, I understand that how this happened and I, I will take full responsibility for it because our process isn't in place and you didn't know all those steps. And that's, that's my fault as a leader. I think that point right there, the, that the, it's the process that you need to look for because so often it's the process that's the problem and not the people. And my guess is that for all the people in the room that day, uh, 90% of the people would, would say, if there's any one, one thing most important that they took away from that, it would be that point there. That would be my guess. That, that, that's the one point that I brought away. And even as we um, uh, talked about some things about the conference, you know, when the board talked about some things about the conference that we'd want to do something different about, that um, point was resonating in the room and really helped us deal with what 
the issues were, and rather than scapegoating people, we took a look at process. It was awesome. Right. Did re- your registration process get identified because um, it was such a problem with so, so many on your staff were saying, we got to do something about this? Or is that how you decided that you were going to just settle on that as a, a really important process to get going with? Well, there's a couple of things. We were getting phone calls from people before they got to camp. So we could identify where there were some problems with that, with the actual online piece. And then in the summertime, it was easy to say, and this is what was happening. Oh, it's the camp nurse that's holding us up. It was the line at the medical cabin. They just are too slow. And what we realized is it had nothing to do with them being slow. It was that our process uh, put all the weight right there. And the way we could change that, um, we then brought in our summer nurses to be part of our process too when we were planning it. So once we got to a certain point, I met with them and I showed them where we were. I asked for their input. So I involved people that weren't actually on year-round staff that, but that had an impact over the years. And so here's one of the examples that we did. We discovered that when they came to check in, there was like three different things that we discovered. When they'd come to check in, if there was something wrong with their registration, like they hadn't paid or they hadn't signed a form, whatever it might be, we didn't have something for them. They would be holding up the line for people that had gotten everything in. So in some ways we were penalizing all the people that were doing it right. So we created this card system. Every camper gets these cards and we had them as color-coded cards. So when they can, and we got Camp Lutherwood lanyards. So when a camper comes now, we're not dealing with the parents in registration. We welcome the camper. We give them their lanyard with their colored cards on because we've done our homework ahead of time. We know which ones haven't put any money in the store or the trading post. We know which ones have a food allergy that needs to talk to the kitchen. We know which ones haven't paid their balance. We know which ones have medication. We know which ones, so all of those things. So we set up stations and we have a big canopy for when people come and we have a color coded registration so that all the colors relate to these laminated little cards that we put on. So if they have medications, they get a red card, which means they have to see the nurse. If they have um, food allergies, they get a purple card. They have to see the cook. If they have um, a balance due or a form not completed, they get a blue card and they have to go to the solutions table. Everybody gets a yellow card because they all have to go to the screening table. So now a camper might come, they have five cards on their lanyard. They can go to any of those cards in any order they want. They just have to show up at their cabin with their lanyard empty. Because then our, camp, our counselors would know they've done the whole process. So if a camper shows up with a blue card, they'll go, oh, you still have a card on your lanyard. Have you been to the solutions tent? Oh, yeah, I've already been there. They'll say, well, will you go take your blue card back to the solutions tent? Give them the card. Because every time they come to a station, we take that colored card off their lanyard. It has changed the entire process because now we'll have like 20 people that have to go see the nurse, not 80 people. 
Right. Right. It's yeah. not every, and then in the screening process in yellow, you know, have you had a fever this week? Is there anything we need to know? All the screening questions that we have, they all go to the screening tent. If in that screening, it's determined they do now have medications, they get a red card and they have to now go to the red card too. Mm. So it's, and then it's just eliminated so many communication issues because we don't have to remember, oh gosh, we've got to go tell the cook that this camper in Oak Cabin is allergic to peanuts. That's not our responsibility now. That's the camper's responsibility to go and do that. They have their one-on-ones. They know what they can eat, what they can't eat. They have that conversation. It's been an amazing transformation of how we've interacted with our campers, how we've interacted with our families, and how quickly we can get registration done, solve those solution problems, and be done with it. It's a, It's been amazing. And then we have our iPads down at the solution table so we can get right on to the registration system and check like we haven't received your check and they'll say, oh, well, we got, we sent it in or whatever. So we can make those changes right there on the spot. We don't have to call them later. Or That's why we picked registration is because we knew it was people dependent. We knew we had big gaps in it and we knew there was places that we could serve our customers better. So you, you had um, that particular issue and you worked together as a staff mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And you came up with a process that is vastly improved. Everybody recognizes that. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. do you still work at improving that, even though there was such an astronomical improvement right at at the start? Absolutely. And we train the staff in it. So during staff training, we go through a mock registration. So they know that we have them go through stations. They know exactly what the camper is supposed to be doing. The other thing that um, we do that Beth has taught me, and this is I do this with everything we do now, and it's called PDCA, Plan, Do, Check, Act, PDCA. So we PDCA everything around here. We have it up in our office, the steps of it. And what that means is, and and the staff all know this, I even say this during our interviews when I'm interviewing summer staff. I say Camp Lutherwood is a place where we have a culture of continual improvement. So no matter what we're doing now, we know we can always be improving. We do stuff during staff training around them understanding person-dependent, people-dependent, some of those things and what processes are and where processes still need help and that we need their help in them. So let's just take a work day. It's our spring work day. We will sit as a staff. We'll plan out all the things that are going to happen, what supplies need to be done, who's going to be doing what, who's going to greet our customer, all of the things that we have to do on a work day. And then at the end of that workday, the next time, the next business day, we'll have a work, all of us staff get together and we'll PDCA it. What went well? That's the first question. We list all the things that go well. We celebrate those. Where are some places we could improve? We list all those. Then we plan the next workday. We look at the things that we know we need to improve on and we make those improvements for the next one. Then we do the next one. We have the same PDCA. We PDCA everything. We do it in the kitchen. We do it in the nurse's cabin. We do it with our summer staff. We do it with our year-round staff. Now, do you ever get any pushback on that by, say, one of your staff people, you know, say your site manager saying, oh, come on, Andrea, let's, we have to collect the trash. Let's just collect the trash. We don't have to PDCA everything. I mean, do you ever get pushback like that? (laughs) 
Sure. And I even don't want to do it at times. I mean, that's just normal human behavior, right? We just want to do it. Um, When you have 30 or 40 people that are dependent on you just doing it, you're going to do it so much better if you have this kind of structured process in place on how you evaluate things. Now, one of the other places that we learned in the summer is food was going out on the table cold. I mean, we're getting the food out on our tables because we do family style and our campers were still lined up outside. So they were now coming in. The the food was sitting there. I was timing it. Sometimes up to 10 minutes, the food would sit on the tables. So now we've changed that process. Where does the food come out? Where, when do the campers come in? What are the steps? I mean, we're down to those kind of steps. And then we look at that as a group and say, where could we improve that? Are we, are we missing the mark still? Are we good? So um, we don't do it every single day, but it's a practice of ours, especially in our year round staff, when we're planning an event or a gathering or anything that's going to involve more people, we always put a, a good planning process in place. And then we do a PDCA afterwards. Because doggone it. Campers want to eat food that's hot yes yes they, they do the oatmeal right with ice cubes water exactly and if they've already practiced the prayer outside then get them inside sit down and pray and then eat hot food but you don't need to wait yeah that's that's probably still one of those places that just like come on people this isn't hard yeah. but so now yeah. you you had the wisdom and the foresight and the um, advantage of having Beth Schwartz living with you for 30 days and looking over yeah. the show and all this kind of thing. What do you suggest for the other 97 executive directors in LOM who don't have Beth Schwartz in their presence to help them get something like this in place and embedded in their organization? Yeah, very good question, Don. I think that the first one we did as a trial, and she did it with us. The second time we have done now, we've started the reg- the rental process. So from a moment somebody inquires to the time they leave and follow up, what are the steps? And we still aren't there yet. We are still, there's still some gaps in our um, guest service process. So now I am, I pay her for that. Um, the first one was kind of this pro bono. She wanted to work with us. Now I pay her for it. And um, in fact, I just got a regional grant for our director of operations per um, staff person. And I built 5000 or $6,000 into that grant for them to have process training as well. So now with that said, Beth has a better understanding of the seasons of camp, the dilemmas of camp, the resources of camp. And so I would think that any 97 of those executive directors, they should all know where's a gap in their organization. Where do they keep stumbling? Where do they keep going back? And I think Beth can lead a process even virtually. I mean, it could even be through Zoom in a way that they sit and, and establish their problem statement because they could you know, do some consulting work that way without her physically being there. I think there's ways to, to do some of those things. And without a Beth, they could call me and I can help them think through some things, but everybody can identify something. The, the, what I realized is, 
They just don't want to because it takes time. And how many times have I heard people say they don't want to do ACA accreditation because, oh, well, we just do it. We monitor ourselves. Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so um, I think there has to be some accountability. And I think if you look at what's your one system or your one process that could really change. And then I think there's ways to look in your area. This is where you can look for other executive directors and say, not Lutheran outdoor ministry directors, but executive directors in your community and say, who do you know that does work like this? For that matter, uh, even within the LOM family, the consultation teams that we now put together for somebody who wants um, three or four colleagues to spend some significant time and, and get acquainted with their operation and make recommendations and and perhaps see some of the gaps that they might not be seeing, that can all be a helpful part of that that kind of process. And then in terms of the the practical stuff that Beth was introducing at the conference, I know she had some really uh, good handouts that, um, Mm -hmm. you you know, introduced some of the major concepts that she deals with. If somebody uh, wanted to get their hands on those handouts, they and they have misplaced them, they could always uh, send you an email and I'm sure you would help them with that. Is that Yes, yes, yes. And I have mine right here in front of me. On page 13 of that is really how, I mean, she gave us some details. What's hard about what she gave us, and I will admit this, and so does she, and she knew it, we knew it going in, Hmm. is that everybody in the room is in a different place. Some people might say, oh, well, that's not my job. That's someone else's job. Or I don't have any control over that because my executive director doesn't want to do it. But everybody has a portfolio of their work, right? So improve your own work. It doesn't mean you don't, you're not dependent on your executive director making those changes. If you're, um, you're the person in, you know, in charge of program, and you know that your day camp teams, the process for them getting checked out on a Sunday and back on a Friday and getting all the things they need because they keep forgetting things, it's your process. Something about your process isn't working. So it doesn't have to be a huge organizational thing. It can be within a smaller system as well. It's so conducive to building a sense of team, a sense of community, because you're not blaming other people. You're you're looking at where the gaps are in the process and doing something about that. Yeah. We lost a, a $10,000 a guest, um, a school this, this fall. It was actually while I was gone at the conference, which was really hard for me. Yeah. And it was because I was asking someone to do this work without proper training, without filling in the gaps and without them understanding any semblance of process. So we have pulled back from that. We've looked at it all again. I'm much more involved in that process right now because I know we're not there yet. We haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. I can't afford for us to not be able to book groups that are interested in using our, because we don't have a process for follow-up. That's just, that's just wrong. That's wrong on our part. So, and I took all that responsibility. I called the school, I called the superintendent. I mean, I did all I could in that piece because it all goes back to me. That's a, I could get mad and I could fire that person, but that wasn't the response that it wasn't, wasn't their fault. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Well, Andrea, thank you very much for sharing that. And it really is a good way to follow up on when you hear a speaker talking about some of these concepts in a presentation at a conference to know that this has had some real practical impact on your organization because of you taking these concepts seriously and, and really working at it. That's really, really helpful. And I'm so grateful for that. Let me ask you this. Uh, are there other things that were presented at the conference that you experienced that you would encourage other outdoor ministry leaders to um, pay attention to and to um, learn from in terms of what we experienced together at the conference? Well, the one thing that I saw in the room when she was having them be in small groups and try and practice it, I saw a lot of pushback in that room. And I was a little surprised about that, to be honest with you. I think in many ways, our organizations are asked to do so much with so little resources. And so less people are doing more and more work. And so many of us in this work that we do are weary, we're tired. And so we get defensive. Well, we're doing the best we can. We just don't have time. And I get that part of it. I really do. Cause I feel that way. <laughs> I feel swamped right now. And we shouldn't feel that way. My encouragement to all of us that were in that room is if you have the handout, don't try and cut corners, follow it and just pick one thing yeah. and know that if you're the director that's pushing back saying, we don't need this, then I, I would encourage you to look internally. What drives you? What holds you back? Where are the fears in that? Where are the challenges for you as, you know, is it lack of time? Is it because you just don't care? Is it because you don't even know how to start? I think sometimes we are expecting our executive directors to know everything. And then when they don't even understand this process, instead of admitting that they don't understand the process, they're just not going to do it. We just don't have time. And so I think they're break it down. It's like an elephant, break it down, look at those bites, figure out where are the places in your organization that you can improve? Where can you as a leader improve? What are those places? Like I'm going to an interviewing training. I've been doing interviewing for 20 years or more, but I'm going to go because I now have to train a new program director and I want to make sure I'm up and I know what I'm going to be, that what our processes are good for that. So I think some of it is continual improvement of ourselves. And if we're not willing to continually improve, how can we expect our organizations or the people that work in our organizations to improve as well? So if you don't have the handout, I can find out where to get that for you. And um, I would say, follow it. Follow it closely. Get the book. It's called Lean Process for Dummies or Quality uh, Management for Dummies, I think it is. And that gives you some more detail. So there's lots of resources. It's not just Beth. You can Google these and get some help with it. Awesome. Andrea, thank you very much. For as long as I have known you, you've been a person who's always working at improving something. With, <laughs> Um, I think that's one of the reasons that um, you are such an impactful leader in your own organization and throughout LOM. And 
that really shines through. So I say thank you very much. Hey, thank you for this podcast. Thanks for taking the time at a really busy time of year. I know uh, coming up to the last day in December is so busy for so many of us, just making sure that um, our donors remember us at the end of the year and all those kind of things. And um, Andrea, I wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and I'm confident that I'll be seeing you often in the new year ahead. And I hope that you put on your calendar, April 23 to 26, the Executive Directors Gathering, LOM Executive Directors Gathering at Luther Ranch, the brand new camp in the uh, LOM network, uh, part of the Novus Way organization. It's going to be a great program, a great facilitator of the World Cafe process. And I hope that uh, we'll see you. I'm pretty sure we're going to see a lot of executive directors there at that event. Well, thank you, Don. Thanks for having me today. And Merry Christmas to you and to everyone at LOM. Absolutely. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks for listening to the only official Lutheran Outdoor Ministry podcast in the entire world. Until next time, check out the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries website or our Facebook page. So long for now from the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries World Headquarters. On behalf of Don Johnson, have a wonderful day.